Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. From the Fifth Quarter Studio in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to the Coaching Youth Hoops Podcast. They're playing basketball. 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 Here's our hosts, Steve Collins. Steve Collins. And Bill Flitter. Bill Flitter. Hello, coaches, and welcome to the Coaching Youth Hoops podcast. I am your host today, Coach Bill Flitter with BasketballPracticePlans.com. And if, you have, uh, if you're struggling putting a practice plan together, head on over to BasketballPracticePlans.com. We got practice plans for K through 8. And speaking of that, we have a guest that I actually met through basketball practice plans uh coach david he coaches fifth grade girls uh we struck up a conversation actually over our uh customer service uh chat bot uh and turns out uh david has a long history in uh emotional intelligence sports psychology um we call you Dr. Dave. Is that, uh, is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, uh, it was, it was cool the first week after I got my PhD, but I haven't used the doctor since. <laughs> you haven't used it since. Okay. All right. We'll just call you coach David then. Uh, so coach, uh, thank you for being on today and sharing your insight. This is a topic that this is one where coaches get out your pen, paper, uh, lean forward, um, because I think we're in, we're going to be, you guys are going to be in for a treat today to talk about, um, you know, the, the, what David calls the third element, if I could use that uh, term that you just, we just talked about, uh, you know, we coach the X's and O's and, uh, you know, in performance, physical performance, but we don't touch upon the mental performance. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So David, love to hear your background, uh, share it with the coaches and we'll dive in. Great. Thanks for having me, Bill. And I must admit that uh, your your practice one uh, practice plan saved me. So I appreciate that. Yeah, I awesome. You. Good to hear. Good <laughs> to hear. Forward. I love it. <laughs> um, so so um, I'm a psychologist by trade. I'm a high performance psychologist who's uh, practiced my craft in a couple different arenas. So I've been a, a university professor teaching executive MBAs for about 23 years. Um, I've also done a lot of leadership consulting for C-suite leaders, so I've helped seat a lot of uh, um, CEOs and other leaders in Fortune 500 companies, uh, but uh, my real passion area is in this area of peak performance psychology, and currently I'm a peak performance coach where we use science to train people to enjoy the pursuit of what's possible in their lives, and then how does that relate to youth hoops? Well, it's important because that's the foundation. So I started off as a five foot, nothing scrappy point guard back <laughs> in my day. Uh, uh, and my claim to fame, I think, was putting up 54 points in a college intramural game. 
So in the other guy's defense, they probably had a party beforehand <laughs> and I didn't go, but I still had to put the ball in the hoop. So that's, right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, so that's my background in a nutshell. I've always had a passion for sports. I did a startup a few years ago, focusing on this as well, which I can talk a little bit about as well. But my ultimate goal is really, no matter um, which arena I'm playing in, it's to help people untap the potential that's in them and using science and best practices to do so. Yeah. Well, and let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, you know, we're we're coming out of, of COVID and I hear a lot, including the teams that I, I coach about, I don't know that the, maybe, I don't want to call it issues or maybe issues is the right word that the, the transition from coming out of COVID into now back to quote unquote normal life. And I'm seeing the impact on young people in that transition. Uh, you know, for example, uh, are the the boys at my high school the freshman boys they're really having a hard time because they're not mature they missed two years of grade school and they you know so their ninth graders acting like seventh graders yeah. and it's it's a real problem so um so that's one area so why don't we start there and then obviously we'll we're going to transition the transition this into sports and what coaches can do to help you know overcome you know, the, the missed free game winning free throw and the, you know, and all of those types of things that you, you know, we can help them help kids through. So why don't we start with that kind of, because I think there's, there's kind of post coaching or or pre coaching before COVID and and post coaching, you know, there's a, there's a slight difference and I, and maybe I'm completely wrong. So maybe you can. No, no, Bill, you're, 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 hitting something that um, us in the psychology field have been sounding alarm bells on. Um, and that is what has happened to the developmental learning mm-hmm. of, of people of kids this age who are social beings and they need to mingle. And that's how they learn from making mistakes. And then, you know, m- largely at home. So, uh, you know, it has been said, this is my original idea, but I believe as well that our next great pandemic, we're in it. And when it comes to mental health, it is fear fear of failure, fear oh, of other people's yeah. opinions. And fear so, of what? What was that last part? Fear of what? Uh, FOPO, fear of other people's opinions. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, and it is just prevalent. So for example, uh, I was trying to recruit fifth grade girls real quick. And the line I kept getting was, oh, I look like a fool. Oh, I'm not as good as so-and-so. As opposed to earlier when, yeah, sign me up. Let's get after this. Yeah. And so I think as coaches, as as parents, uh, yeah. you know, take the psychology hat off and, and just on the human level, I, I think our job is to help uh, kind of level set kids in terms of understanding that the, the this fear, because they haven't been able to have their social networks, they don't have the skills. And so far, they're, they're so afraid of other people's opinions that they can't process and they tend to shrink under pressure as opposed to rise. So, so what can we do? One is to make sure that uh, as coaches, we're constantly building up the confidence. There's several ways from science we can do that. Um, Constantly build a culture where it's fun, but they're growing in their skills. Doubling down on team building, Mm. uh, perhaps introducing a little variety every now and then besides just drills and X's and O's. So how can we connect more on a human level? So during practice, do you perhaps interject for you know, some team building things five minutes in that are non-basketball related and just get an example of that. Cause I think that's, that's really key uh, and really important part of it. Cause it, it does break up. So again, uh, you know, there's a difference between a coach who coaches once a week, right. And sees their kids once a week versus a coach who's doing it like myself five days a week, six days a week, really. I'm with those kids. The only day off is Sunday. So I'd like to take each of those and maybe dive into it because I think those in there, there that's where the the nuggets are that are that will definitely help coaches. So talking about culture and talking about you know injecting fun, um, maybe just give some examples or ideas of those things that you just mentioned. Sure. So let's say culture. Every coach wants to build a great culture. Yeah. Most, most coaches will say, "I want to build a winning culture." 
I think that's a little bit narrow in terms of a dashboard of success. That's great if it comes, but I think we need other elements that are important for kids. I want a culture where kids come leave with a smile on their face. I want a culture where kids, I, I can see effort increasing. You know, at, at the fifth grade level, I could care less if we win or lose. It's nice <laughs> for them. But if they are truly improving their effort. So it's kind of setting the stage of what is our dashboard of success. Mm-hmm. And culture is the house in which our athletes play. And simply put, culture is, um, you know, the behavior we tolerate. So when someone makes a mistake or doesn't, if uh, someone's at a different skill level, how do we build those up who quite aren't there yet, as opposed to shooting them a look or knocking them down? Mm-hmm. So do we constantly give them that attention uh, and, and notice that as coaches and notice that it's not a one size all approach that we have to have a radar on for different uh, um, athletes and how they perceive it and where they are on the court. So what I like to get to is the common denominator and the common denominator that we need to focus on at coaches are what's the well-being of these kids and well-being is they're coming here to hang out and have fun. They're coming here to uh, hopefully win a couple games or more. It's different high as you go up in high school, I understand, but just, yeah. just the common denominator. So what do we do as coaches to find foster that environment of fun, learning, and building grits and getting after it as well? And I think right. that's where the secret sauce lies. Yeah, and, and no doubt about that. And I think, and it's this constant balancing act of all of those things together because like you said and it doesn't change at the high school it's just you know we emphasize maybe winning a little bit more but fun culture um, the well-being of the kids is is so important and I live in an area where you know if you don't have a 3.8 GPA you have no hope no future right And, and so there's that stress as well right uh, so that, you know, there's the grades, the athletic performance, um, and what, what do you suggest to help with that balance of winning grit, culture, fun? <laughs> That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it is. And so I think an easy approach is just to go back to, uh, um, you know, simple terms and, and, and set expectations at the outset. So I've taken teams through the process of coming up with their one word and uh, we'll sit teams down and we'll ask them, you know, what is it? What do we have to do as a team to achieve our goals? Mm -hmm. I I don't want to hear wins. I don't want to hear scoring averages. I don't want to hear any stats. What I want to hear is the interpersonal uh, stickiness that's going to bind us together. How are we going to treat each other as Mm -hmm. teammates? to build this culture. So I start there uh, with, with teams. We've done this a lot with high school teams and it, they're looking at me like I have three eyes, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but we take them through the process and things come up like, all right, I'm always going to show up with my A game. Um, I'm always going to, I don't care if I'm the captain or the last person on the bench, I'm going to show up and lead from where I'm at. And everybody leads in different ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm going to do my part in the classroom so that I, my teammates can count on me so that I'm not going to get suspended or have to miss a game. Uh, when I see someone struggle, it's my job to step up and be the first one to get the water bottle or the first one to put the balls back on the rack. So it's all these types of interpersonal things that we set expectations early in the season. And that's the framework. And then as a coach, we have just defined our values, our culture. And as a coach, I reinforce those by calling people out who modeled it each day. Um, And that's how you start to build culture the right way. And then the wins, those things hit care of themselves. And those are easy to track. It's the the hard stuff. It's hard. uh, But getting people engaged. So if you do it alone as a coach, uh, it's a losing battle. You have to have the kids come up with these. And oftentimes they'll come up with five to seven of these core values. And I try to distill it to perhaps three or five. So it's easy to manage, um, you know, whether it's equal talk time or a safe space for everybody to fail and turn failure into learning. So we don't talk failure, we talk learning. Um, and they come up with these and then we just live by it. And it's simple and it builds the culture over time. And then try to spend, uh, you know, whether it's 25% of your time focused on that metric. And then some of it specifically on efforts and then skills and then the wins, those take care of themselves. Yeah, they'll take care of themselves. Well, and you bring up a good point too, because you know, one of the things I one of the things I always say is I 
80% of what I do is I coach confidence. And I try to, I put that lens on it. Uh, and 20% is basketball, putting the little ball in the, in the hoop, right? And if I put that lens on it, it helps me. But sometimes then I feel like I'm soft yeah. when I coach, like, you know, because I, like, when you and I were growing up, you know, it was, it's, you know, as a coach, it's my way or there's the door, right? Oh. And, and, you know, yelling was expected, right? Yeah. You did it out of fear or getting cut or whatever, whatever it was. That's changed, I think, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because now the door is often inviting for people because there's so many other options compared right. to what you and I had as kids. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, so the options are just incredible. Um, and then also, it's just bad psychology. It's bad coaching when it's my way or the highway. So, yeah. uh, so to flip it. So, I'm curious, uh, you know, how do you coach confidence? What are some tactics that you use? Well, you know, I always I, I, I talk about either if I'm training an individual or I'm working with the team, I always tell them this is a safe place to make mistakes. I reinforce that over and over again. This is a safe place to make mistakes. Nobody has their camera out. There's not it's not your mistakes aren't going to be posted. Right. Mm -hmm. We're here to learn. Right. And I say I'm a teacher. You're a student. You're learning the game. I said, but I'm also learning from you, right? Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's, again, it's a balancing. I said, but at the end of the day, I make, you know, I still have to make the decision. The decision is on me, you know, I'll listen. And I, I know I give them a voice in the whole process. I at least try to, so they, they're empowered to, and feel comfortable to have that voice. But it's gotten me also into a little bit of, what do I want to say? I don't say trouble is the right word, but it's more about the constant complaining and blaming that it somewhat turned into where I had to have a discussion about it the other day. And in, in practice, I brought the JV team, varsity team together and said, we're in this together. This is one team, you know, mm -hmm. you know, my coaching staff works really hard right? We're not, believe it or not, we're not out to get you, right? We're here to support. And I mean, I tell you, I have the best, nicest, uh, warm coaching staff that I have ever been a part of. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're very, you know, their parents, most of them are parents, had kids, or now some of them have grandkids, right? Um, so that's one of the things that we, um, you know, have to deal with or dealt with. Um, and I think that goes back to, I don't know if that's, a COVID related thing uh, where, you know, I'm going to blame you. I'm going to blame somebody else. I'm not taking the blame. That's human nature also. Sure. sure. You know, um, but I'm going to step back a bit too, because I'm going to tell you what we do as, as from a culture standpoint, which I'm kind of excited what you said. It just it gives me this sense of relief of like, I don't know if I was doing the right thing, but here's what I did. So we have, we call our culture red dot. It's the red dot way or the red dot pride. We're cougars. Mm -hmm. We talk about pride. So uh, it stands for, there's two set, there's two bits. The red part is the basketball stuff. And the dot part is the kind of the intangible, more of the culture-y stuff that you would normally expect. So okay. red is rebound, efficient scoring, and defense. Those are the three most important things that we want to do on the basketball side. Yeah. Okay. And then on the other, the other part is uh, drive open together. So drive, and you see drive and open, those are two basketball terms as well, right? So, Absolutely. But, but what it means, drive is energy, effort, and attitude, right? Your coach or your, yeah, open is your coachable. And of course, together is, hey, we're one team. We're trying to figure this out. We do things together. We win together. We lose together, right? That, that type of, that type of attitude. And then at the end of every, practice um a player picks the red dot winner for the day mm -hmm. they literally get a red dot a sticker actually yeah. i have them right here i don't know if you can see this yeah brilliant yeah they get a red dot and then they they obviously they have their names and then they get to put a sticker next to their name and then every week or two weeks what i do is i give out a prize to the red dot winner and it's a red ball, a little stress ball with a smiley face on it yeah. in a, in a um, 
one of those bracelets that have drive open together written around it, right? So just to reinforce that culture. Um, and it sounds like what you were saying, that's exactly what you should be doing. No, yeah, you have all of the great ingredients there to build that culture and reinforce them on their levels. Uh, so that's really good. And, and and at one point, you you know, we talked a little bit about confidence here. And yeah. confidence, confidence is um, often a tricky thing at that age. Uh, so what happens is for confidence to happen, we really need to be in the right emotional state. And when we're dealing with uh, little kids and big emotions, oftentimes they don't manage them. <clears throat> so what I tend to say is oftentimes as humans, we're living in the past where we ruminate and we're living in the future where we're anxious. Yeah. Our job then as coaches is to bring them into the present moment. Mm. And when they're in the present moments, the past becomes noise and the future becomes background noise. And we can be here we can, and we can coach. So setting the stage for the emotions and what happens with kids and emotions is oftentimes they have a short runway. So something bad's happened. A friend said something bad about me, or I screwed up and dribbled the ball out of bounds. Yeah. And they hit the wall quickly, and yeah. then they melt down. What we need to do as coaches is extend this zone of tolerance so they can handle emotions and interject when things don't go right. That's all right. And that calm approach you just described helps elongate their emotional bandwidth so that when something goes wrong, they have the runway to stop and deal with it and pull themselves out before they hit the wall. And when we do that, what happens, that creates an opportunity to create uh, coach confidence. And mm -hmm. confidence can come from a lot of places. I mean, research suggests there's four or five main sources of it. One is mastery of prior experience. Have I done it well? Hmm. Uh, that's where most of us coaches tend to park and get the experience. You get confidence. That's just one piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, we should also do modeling. So uh, show them how to do it and then watch, have other players do it. So modeling is a tremendous way to increase confidence. Uh, another source of confidence is verbal persuasion. So are we using positive, accurate feedback to get them where they're going or have to go? Because uh, feedback can be a double-edged sword. Yeah, still, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, a fourth uh, source of uh, confidence then is what is their emotional or psychological state? So I talked about this window of tolerance for our emotions. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing as coaches to get them in the right frame of mind? Knowing that perhaps after practice, they're starving to death. They have homework, yeah. uh, whatever it is. So how do we get them? And that's where I think taking time for non-basketball stuff for five minutes, little team building. Uh, whether it's two truths and a lie, whether it's we did the phone game, we whisper in one person's ear and they have to go down 15 players and see if the message is the same at the end. Um, or just simple things like that. Uh, stretching, breath work is great. Uh, so those are ways we can alter as coaches their emotional and physiological state to get them in a more coachable mindset. And do you do that? Are you saying some of these, you, you kind of made, are you looking at it as bookends too, where you might, let's say you, you know, do um, breathing exercises to start practice. And, and, and I'm assuming, and maybe there is no order of this, but like start practice, get in the right frame of mind. Cause that's, that's actually one thing that I, that I've been noticing is, you know, sometimes we have early practices right after school. So school ends at three, three 30, you know, we have practice at three 45 and that's not because I want that. It's because of gym time, right? Right. We right. Three 45, we go to our two hours and then we're out. Right. They just got done with school, you know, eight hours or six hours, friends, issues, homework, tests, blah. And now I got to say, perform, go. Yeah. Right. Uh, or, the, you know, or they just like, you know, yesterday gal came in and she's like, I just woke up from a nap and it was, Pretend we had practice yesterday, 630. Mm -hmm. Right. And she was like, you know, I slept for whatever time she slept for. And right. So I know they're tired, but then and, and then pressure's on me. It's like, you know, as a parent, I just, you know, some some days I just want to just like, okay, forget practice. We're not going to do it. And then game time comes and, you know, then I have that going in my head, like, we okay, we got it. We're not ready. Yeah, we're not ready for this next game. Right. So it's just like this constant tug of war that is happening in my head as well of hearing what they're saying right mm -hmm. but also knowing the job at hand that we have to do yeah it's tough so there's simple things we can simplify this process a lot and mm -hmm. part of it i'll say is as a peak performance coach i know we can control the mind through the body 
Yeah. The body, it's breath work. So look at what all the athletes do. We see before a big shot, they take a deep breath and they reset it. So what's happening physiologically is when people, kids are wired and kids are bouncing off walls. Uh, we have their sympathetic nervous system wiring. It's like in a car where they're in first or second gear and they're just revving the engine, revving the engine, and they're constantly going. Yeah. What we have to do as coaches then is get them out of that revving state, that sy- yeah. sympathetic yeah. nervous system, yeah. into the parasympathetic, which calms the body. And breath work visualization is a great method mm-hmm. to do that. And then also the cadence of a uh, uh, flow. So a lot of times practices should be set up so that you can kind of ride the up and the down, the up and down, because we have a whole physiology going inside of us. And it's our job to kind of surf those biorhythms of Mm. our our biology, as Mm. opposed to just jamming more action-packed things down them. So how do we space uh, water breaks? How do we space, uh, I'm a big fan of these five minute little uh, team huddles of sorts and teach a concept Uh, and, and take advantage of how our body naturally goes and then interject some of these leadership or mindset skills amongst the practice interesting yeah no that's that's actually really good uh yeah so for, for example on my the coaches yeah. i gave to the fifth grade girls i just i read it last night uh-huh. um i have a uh, practice plus a leadership lesson okay so, so this week i'm doing practice plus confidence next one practice plus communication so what does that mean? Give us, can you give us an example of what you would do? You teach or you coach fifth grade girls. So what, what would that look like for that age group? I know you have my practice plan. So yeah. what yeah. are you on the leadership? <laughs> so, yeah. So for the confidence, uh, I'm going to simplify it. And, uh, you know, I gave you four out of the five sources already. Yeah. Uh, and the fifth one was visualization. Okay. Uh, so, so from science, I know that there's all these proven ways to get people more confident. I'm gonna bring Sesame Street into it for the girls and say, confidence comes down to one thing, your self-talk. So what is the voice in your head telling you? Mm. And all those other sources lead into self-talk. You know, uh, you know, mastery of experience, social persuasion, monkey see, monkey do, all those things. <laughs> so it's, it's self-talk. So back to your question about coming out of COVID and where kids' uh, um, fear is and anxiety and confidence, I'm gonna start tapping that say, let's listen to the little voice in our head. There's going to be, you know, the voice that says, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. You just learn. So I'm going to say, yes, you can. So you just can't do it yet. But in three weeks, let's see where you're at. So I'm a big fan of the word yet. I don't let my, I always call it the C word. Can't say the C word. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, And then give them small wins and reinforce them. So it's really not being a coach, uh, but being a teacher and being a cheerleader more so than anything else. Uh, and just, so I'm going to talk about the, uh, the positive mindset, have them share examples of what that voice in them is saying, and then also reward them at the end of practice, whoever, uh, helps other people with positive self-talk throughout the drills when they miss a shot and say, ah, don't worry, you'll make the next one. Mm -hmm. Or they fall flat on their face. Don't worry. You won't do that again. And just reinforce it throughout that week's practice. And then each week there's a theme. So growth mindset, conflict resolution, team focus, the list goes on and on and, you know, positivity. Yeah, that's amazing. Cause that, that's uh, uh, such a big thing. And and I, I never put words to it or a structure like that, but you know, I, always try to be as positive as I can. No, I'm human. I do get frustrated when I teach them something, you know, five times and then they do the opposite of that, which we just talked about doing, right? And that's frustrating, right? And I try to like take a deep breath, right? And try, I say I try, I'm not perfect at it. If my, <laughs> my, uh, my players are listening, right? I'm still working on it. Sure. Uh, but that's so, that's such, such a good thing in the breathing. So I'll tell you what I do. I do this when the ball is on our bench side, when our girls are shooting a free throw. First thing I always say is I just look at them breathe and go out. That's all I say. And then I see them do it, fill their lungs. And then, right. Cause they forget to breathe. And I always, I also talk about how find those moments in a game where you can breathe. Right. Mm -hmm. And we talk about, Okay, well, let's talk about them. Where are those moments? Obviously, free throw. You're shooting yeah. when you're shooting or weight lining up. That's a moment to breathe, right? Yeah. 
or in transition when you just busted your tail to get back and now you're waiting for the offense or the defense, right? The ball to come up or, right? Just take a quick breath. It doesn't take much. It's not no. like you're sitting there, you know, just, okay, I'm ready, right? I'll breathe out. So that's something I'm going to uh, reinf- keep on reinforcing. I don't do it enough. I used to do it a lot more. It's kind of those habits that you forget, but um, yeah, I and like even that, in, a, so. in a timeout, the whole team can spend 15, yeah. 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that's yeah. Or when hands in and we're ready to go, you know, go whoever, let's take yeah. a deep breath first and do it. Yeah. Uh, and that's where the science is at, right? So our job is, I tell this to C-suite leaders, I tell this to fifth grade girls, right? <laughs> it's breath. That's where it's at. That's the one thing we can control in those moments. And the idea is we're creating more of a runway for us to handle the emotions yeah. uh, and respond more appropriately for the situation at hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and are there tools or what would you suggest? Because one of the things is, is bouncing back from mistakes, bouncing back from misses, bouncing back from blown assignments, whatever it might be, right? Uh, what would you suggest? What's a tool that you could give a, a, you know, a young person? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, Great question. So, you know, we always talked about the next play attitude. Um, uh, you know, for adults, kids aren't driving, but I always say, do you drive your car looking through the rear view mirror? Mm -hmm. No, you crash. So, so the analogy is how do we focus on the here and now? So as I talked about earlier, we often think about the past near term. Oh, I screwed up. And Mm -hmm. then we're in this, this cycle of I'm not showing up for the present. So that's the first thing is don't have a rear view mirror, Mm -hmm. just rip it out and go and next play. And that's what the great athletes do. Yeah. So it may not translate, it might be really good with the 15, 16 year old boys and girls, but maybe not the yeah. younger. So the other aspect is, uh, you know, a famous psychologist said, don't shoot on yourself. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should have did this. I should have did that. The woulda, right. coulda, shoulda gets us in trouble. Um, so the idea is rather than shooting on ourselves, how can I focus on, boy, I turned failure into learning. And mm-hmm. that was a great opportunity. And I know I can adjust and pivot the next time around. So if I just got burned off the dribble, maybe next time I'm going to force the opponent to the weekend, or maybe next time I'm going to set a, a better, a better screen. So the pick can be more clear. Um, and then another tip we'll give people. So rear view mirror, don't shoot on yourself. And then I'd also say, keep your emotions in check. We're all human. Um, so at least once a practice, I missed a shot just to show them I'm human. It's tough to miss it, <laughs> but no, I joke. Well, especially 54 points coach. Come on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I always say when I miss, I say, uh, coach never misses. Yeah. And they're gotcha. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. Never misses. Oh, I'm like, and then I always say, did I ever miss a shot in practice? And they're like, no coach, never, you know? Yeah. We could so joke I'm, about it. I'm the opposite. It's been 30 years since I played <laughs> shot a ball. So uh, I'm around 5% making them now. So, oh. but the idea is sometimes just showing uh, how not to do something in practice. So I'm a big fan of hmm. what we call in the business world, critical incidents. When we train people, a critical incident is something really great, something average and something poor. Hmm. So in practice, I like to mirror those so that they can see it. And then when they do something wrong, I go, oh, great example of the low end. Now let's move up to the average end. Oh, so you do point that out in that way. Because I do that and I sometimes I stop and think, oh, I just pointed out a mistake. Is that the right thing to do? Feedback is wonderful if it's delivered uh, uh, accurately and it's delivered with positivity and I want to build you up. So we all crave the ability to get better. And right. feedback is a most important tool we have in that regard, but how coaches deliver oftentimes misses the mark. Mm. So I like to focus on feedbacks and opportunity for the technical aspects. And let's just pause here because if one player is not getting it, I guarantee you half the team isn't. So let's just go over it again. That's that monkey see monkey do approach to confidence. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And then 
you know, a lot of times we have on that same vein is, you know, players who aren't getting the playing time that they think they deserve, not deserve or want, maybe want, they want, you know, everybody wants to play. I want to sit out of the bench. Right. And, you know, as you know, in any team, it's a spectrum, right? You have really good players to ones that need more work overall. And you try to find, I mean, I do, I always try to find spaces for everybody at some mm-hmm. point in the game, but sometimes it just doesn't work out. Okay. So, and, you know, obviously that hurts their self-confidence, which, you know, little do they know. I mean, and I tell them that it hurts me too, right? I got to do a better job of, of leveling you up and getting where you need to be. But, okay. So the question in here is, um, that I get asked is what, uh, from a, from a player, what do I need to do yeah. to be better? I never, I, cause I told them, I instructed them, don't ask me, what do I need to do better to get more playing time? I'm like, that's the question is what do I need to do better? Or what do I, what can I do to make me better? Right. Yeah. And the team better. Yeah. So great question and not an easy answer. Yeah. Um, so I'm still in the uh, age where equal playing time uh, is a rule. So I'm, yep. I'm stuck there. That's but yep. without without that, the question is, as a coach, how do I uh, set up a dashboard of success that just isn't focused on playing time? Yeah. And so this is where I introduce concepts of leadership and a team first culture. Mm. So you may have heard of the, a great study done by a Stanford uh, a business professor, a psychologist, and he looked at all the tape of uh, NBA teams and what he found was that the Golden State Warriors had more high fives and other body touches, you know, chest bumps, et cetera, than any other team. And so the premise is that he thinks it's the actual touch that causes. I, I'm not sure that's it. What I think is that it's the, the physical touch, doing those little things. I got your back. Good job. Facilitates the great team chemistry that gets us to the greater wins. So that's an avenue where we can take it off playing time and say, hey, we're all in this. We have to build each other up. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, we all have a role to play. And it's my job as coach to make sure that you do get some playing time. Obviously, we don't have someone riding the pine the whole time. Yeah. But how do we do that? And then how do we celebrate their wins? So if someone only gets three minutes a game, how do we build them up for that three minutes and point out what they did good? And then have the, the flexibility and the wisdom as a coach to say, all right, perhaps we're playing a lesser opponent. This is a moment where I can get this person 10 minutes of playing time. Yeah. And I'm building their skills and it's just not all uh, performance based. It's how am I building, getting this kid excited and passionate. And then sometimes matchups or sometimes we just need all hands out there. We have different roles at different times, but they're all equally important. So the yeah. person getting the towels, the person getting the water bottles is just as important as the person who dropped 24 points. Yeah. That, that's the culture. Um and then perhaps in practice, I like to use practice as an opportunity to, to highlight some folks as well who might be second or third teamers and perhaps let them run drills mm-hmm. and then have my first teamers perhaps work on defense or other areas and mix it around. We have that flexibility. Yeah, no, that that that's uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I think those roles are, are, are really important. You know, even what I always tell everybody is. When you're on the bench, you play a really important role. That's a role. You're you're not you're you're in the game, right? You know they think that oh, I'm sitting over here. I'm not in the game. I mean, you're in the game. You're one. We get, I give them a task of watching the shot clock. We have a shot clock here, right? So they wa- have to watch a shot clock. When it gets to a certain point, we have a trigger word on when, on offense. We have a trigger word. They're 100 percent responsible for calling that trigger word out when it gets there. So they have to alert the players that are in, right? When it's time to like, okay, you know, or it's you know, ten seconds left. Holy cow, we need to, we need to score. We need to do something, right? So, uh, you know, that's one of their roles. Cheerleading is a huge role. I assigned one of my assistant coaches to the bench coach, right? Where their job, one of their jobs, is to make sure players are engaged, but teach them how to be engaged when they're sitting on the bench what does that mean right and then the the um how you sit on the bench is important right are you moping because you just got you know out of the game or you're not in the game you know what's your body language saying and i that's what i always preach is preach probably not the right word talk about is 
you know, your nonverbal is just as loud as your verbal. Yeah. No, Coach Gino uh, from UConn has a yeah. great video out there. You can YouTube it. But uh, he just, he's going off after a game and talking about uh, uh, the importance of body language. And he says, when I'm recruiting a player, and this could be the greatest female athlete in the country, but her body language is poor. She will not be playing for UConn. Yeah, I saw that. on and stress. So, so what we tell kids about uh, uh, about it is always have this positive body language. Stand tall, take a deep breath, shoulders relaxed, up. Um, so it's important, and I, I'll highlight examples. So, you know, I, I recently went to a, a women's volleyball, college volleyball game here on, in town, and uh, I, I think only about a third of the players made uh, the game time. Uh, from what I could tell, maybe a few more, maybe half. But I was just watching the ones on the sidelines, uh, and they were like, it was. It was just incredible, just smiles and mm -hmm. hugs and high fives. It's the culture. And so I asked one of the players, so, you know, what's the secret sauce for you guys? It's just amazing that you just ooze enthusiasm and the crowd fed off it. And she goes, vulnerability. We focus on we're mm -hmm. human beings and how do we share uh, uh, ourselves authentically and know that we feel safe here. And they work on it with team building exercises each day. Yeah. And that way they can show up as their worst and know that the team has their back. And well, bring it down to that, bring that, you know, cause I, that's the feedback I always hear. I mean, we, we, we can model after college, but then I'm like, come on coach, I don't have a staff to like think through the leadership pieces and I'm, I'm a high school coach or I'm a fifth grade girls coach. Yeah. So how can we bring that down? Because I think that is so important in today's culture of, the per you know all my snaps are perfect my instagram is perfect i got the perfect filter perfect 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 right and then you look at that and you're like oh i'm not that perfect but man she's perfect or he's perfect it's it, it's tough so uh i know i experienced that with my facebook when i wasn't active on facebook all seven of my followers were really disappointed <laughs> <laughs> but for kids it's real yeah it's uh -huh. real it, it is so real. So uh, having a no phone policy is one thing. Stressing yep. the importance of we are here together as a team and this is our family is important. Mm -hmm. and, and then how do we make it real in terms of getting rid of that fear, right? So yeah. I'll go back to my original concept of the, the present, uh, the present, um, the future, the past. Yeah. We're present here. Mm -hmm. um, and then oftentimes uh, I'll do challenges. At, uh, we've done this at the high school level. Can you go a week without social media? Huh. Oh my goodness. But <laughs> the goal is to build grit, uh, a mental toughness. Yeah. And, and these athletes love to do that. So I like to challenge them. And I challenge them and say, all right, I want you before next practice to go talk to the teacher who just handed you your test back and you failed. And what I want you to do is have this critical conversation. That's mental toughness. Mm. And then come back to me and report what the conversation is and the action plan to improve. Another thing you can build grit is I want you to go without social media, let's say for two days. Let's be realistic with the kids. Yeah. And that's grit. It's not just yeah. physical. Or I want you to apply for that job where you're too scared, that part-time job. So it's all these types of things to build grit. That's how we can bring it down to the level. Yeah. So I'm trying to do fun stuff. I don't know if I'll succeed, but I'm going to try to have the girls bounce the ball in unison as if they're like blue man group or something. Right, 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 right. So I don't care how good they are, but it's like a dance. Yeah. First time was a miserable failure, but that's, that's awesome. my goal after yeah. two months is can they at least bounce in unison. And that is something fun. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what, they, what uh, I've done and I need to bring this back. And the only reason I stopped was because of COVID last year is we call them comfort zone challenges, which do build grit. So couple challenges might be and they they had fun with it and it was it was really interesting to see the dynamics so we would do um we would go to a shopping area and we um uh, you had to challenge a stranger to rock paper scissors <laughs> i love it and and then they the um you know the player they kept track of wins and losses and they had to do it and i tr i paired them with okay who is who this exercise, who is it going to be really easy for to approach someone? And I paired them with somebody who was like, I do not want to talk to anybody. You know what I mean? And I paired them together and I said, each of you have to, you have to alternate who approaches. 
the yeah. person. So that was one of them. We also did the big, the the one that's, you know, again, these are, these are for some students are tough. And I did, by the way, I, this is not a high school thing. This was a, this is grade school as well. I did this with grade school. I think I started in fifth or sixth grade all the way up and the other karaoke, they had to sing, they had to find and challenge someone or sing with someone. Right. And they, you know, they had to explain why we're doing it. What's it for, right. To build something, to build confidence and grit. And, and they, they, they had, and then they had to record it too. Right. Mm -hmm. That was the other thing they had to record the, even the rock, paper, scissors. So I knew that, you know, player A and player B both did it. Right. Those are great ideas. Very creative. And what you're doing is you're building team cohesion and team chemistry outside of basketball drills and you're meeting them where they're at fun, lighthearted things. So I've been known to go in with ropes and blindfolds and I put blindfolds on them and I drop a rope and they're in four force and I drop a rope and they have to make a perfect square out of it. It's hard because one rope is a hundred feet. Another rope is that yellow twine that just uh, binds up on you. And then uh, they all have different things. Some of them just have tons of knots in. So they're struggling. Some are done right away. But the idea is how can we communicate? How can we work together with different senses? And we're building fun. Oh my gosh, I'm going to steal that one. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And you Uh, do that as one team? All players are blindfolded? Yes, in groups of four. And they have to make a perfect square. So I bring enough. Number of players divided by four. That's how many yeah. ropes you bring in blind. And it, it's just so simple. And it, it um, allows for communication to occur. It allows for frustration to bubble up. And then we talk about conflict resolution. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and it's just the way these are the non-basketball things that might take five, ten minutes. Yeah. And it's great ground for us to get out of. Oh, my goodness. As a coach, I can breathe and not think about, all right, what am I going to do for my defensive drill? How am I going to teach these kids to do a layup off the, the one foot and shoot with the opposite hand? They're not coordinated enough. And then, oh, let me just pause. So they're doing that stuff. And it gives us coaches a yeah. chance to do state management for us, catch our breath so that we can show up our best for the next drill. Because we're constantly grinding in first and second gear, revving the engine. We also need to come down so that we can shift through the gears properly ourselves. Because coaching is about managing energy first in ourselves mm-hmm. and then with our team second. That's it. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. Coaching is about managing energy because it's so true. And, you know, and one of the things, you know, there's as a group, you know, there's different personalities on the team, but a lot of times what you see is one personality across the group. Right. And what I mean by that is I don't have the raw, raw players this year. Mm-hmm. They're all just pretty mellow. Now I'm a raw, raw guy. And again, my players don't, they don't see that side of me. Like when I'm, when I'm not coaching, I'm goofy and all these other things. Right. And I feel like, and this is my issue I'm dealing with is I got to be this stoic coach, right. With all the answers and all the wisdom. And, and I try to, you know, I let them try to see that side of me. Um, But to that point is sometimes I walk in the locker room and, I, you know, I just want to jump around and scream and like, let's go, you know, you know, and they're like, I'm, and I'm looking, what's wrong? Well, we're tired. Right. Or, <laughs> or they, I just, you know, they're not as a group, you yeah. know, just overly excited. Now, I think that also like, I don't know if that is confidence and like the newer players are seeing what the older players are doing and they're just kind of trying to fit into the box that the older players have already established. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. yeah, a lot there to unpack. I know. Part of it is culture. So how do we set the culture? Yeah. So another thought that comes to mind is a square peg and a round hole. So if they're just not the cheerleader type, how do we adjust? Yeah. How do we adjust where they're at? Yeah. Or, is that just our assumption and we do have to draw it out of them? And then you kind of mentioned sometimes there's a strong personality or two and others. So I think managing on that aspect of the energy part is how we don't want to take a bunch of introverts and turn try to turn them into extroverts. Yeah. Type. So there's different ways. And I like to, uh, you know, what's the old phrase uh, from Michelangelo or whoever it was, you know, on stone. And I just uh, um, got rid of all the stone and, and David appeared, right? The stone. So that kind of thing. So as coaches, how are we getting rid of that and letting their true self come out? Yeah. And sometimes that's the cheerleader type. Other times it, I just lock arms 
And if I can get people to lock arms, that's a more powerful form of solidarity for them. Might not be my cup of tea, it might be, but it's about them and meeting them where they're at. But if we have really low levels, I teach this whole science of flow or peak performance or yeah. one or five. And the idea is if people are too down, they're bored. If they're too high, they're too excited or agitated. We want to find the midpoint of this flow corridor or flow zone. So our yeah. job as coaches is to get them there, not too much, not too little, but to figure out where they're at. And that's an art in addition to a science. Oh my gosh, coach, you're uh at one, at one I, I mean, this is amazing conversation so far. And like I said, I mean, I I have a couple pages of notes, but then I realized, hey, this is being recorded. So I'm just going to listen to this five times. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, this is exactly. I, so here's a question for you that I, I had in my mind. OK, can you you said, you know, we train the the X's and O's, we train the physical, you know, the, the right, the physical side. Now you're talking about the mental side, the third element. Okay. Can you what is the percentage or weight you would give those? And can you have a meant just like a really solid mental, mentally tough team who eh, maybe their athletic ability isn't there, beat a team that's just the reverse? You know what I mean? I mean, I know anything is possible, but I, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. is the mental part so strong that we often overlook it that it makes up for a lot of maybe our in, lack of ability? Yeah. Um, Physical ability, I mean, right? So, you know, if we can only train three things, you know, our body, our crafts, and our mind, it's mm -hmm. just amazing at how we have failed to train the mind. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, did you ever have a class on emotional intelligence or minds? Me either. So uh, the closest education has, has come is really growth mindsets. And then yeah, people exactly. are falling through. That's a bit, but it's, that's just the tip of the iceberg, if that at all. So we did this study uh, to kind of level set, to answer your question, I guess that we'll take the scenic group, is uh, when we created this app and we wanted to teach that third element, we went into a high school and we talked to the principal and said, hey, we're going to give this to you free. In exchange, can you give us a couple hundred students so he gave us 100 who used our app for about three months and 100 who did not use the app for three okay. months. And in that three months, those that used it, they got weekly lessons and teachers actually kind of baked it in time for class to do it. And then we went and did some seminars. And what we found was incredible achievement. So for the males, we found about a, what, a 25% increase in their ability to lead their perceptions. We found about, I think it was 28% increase in their confidence to overcome fear of failure. Um, for females, this is where it got good. For females, we saw almost double that improvement. We saw about 47 pushing 50% increase in their ability that, yeah, I can step up and be a leader no matter where I'm at. About 40% increase in confidence to overcome fear of failure. So to me, by having these short five, 10 minute conversations, it leads to benefits that make them better kids, better people, set them up for success. And our tagline was, we teach the skills that last after the ball stops bouncing. Mm -hmm. So when I'm a coach and I realize I can't get these kids to make a regulation length free throw, but when I move them three feet in, they get, I'm not a failure. It's just physical strength. But if I taught them how to dim those voices of I'm not good enough, I can't do this mm -hmm. as opposed to, Hey, I'm just going to go make a fool of myself. And I'm going to do it. And then after 20 shots, I made one. That's a huge win. And I see the wow. smile on their face. So now back to your question, the percentages. I treat this mental element as a blood thrown through our veins. It's always there. Yeah. But we don't see it. So it has to be. And how do I show up as a coach and the messages I give? How do I set the expectations? How do I deliver feedback when I'm tired? After my first practice, my wife snapped a picture of me falling asleep on the floor without a pillow or anything. I just... I was zonked. I had no energy. So how am I going to manage that the next practice around knowing that I don't have the energy I used to? Um, and so sometimes it's just writing out five positive things I can say today, hmm. making sure that each girl hears it one-on-one -on -one from me, one of those five statements, one-on-one -on -one throughout the practice. So I might hear it more. Mm -hmm. uh, and then how can I set the expectation on each, before we start, the word of the day or the leadership theme of the day is confidence. I'm going to spend 60 seconds talking about self-talk. All right, let's get into drills. And then at the end, let's reward people where they showcased it. It's 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 just built into how we conduct ourselves, 
how we think, and then our ultimate goal beyond just the X's and O's and scoreboard. Amazing. And I'm glad you addressed the male versus female piece too. Is it, I mean, uh, especially when in coaching, do we have different challenges? Uh, Coaches who coach females versus coaches who coach males? Yes, I would assume so. Um, You know, different motives at the different stage. Uh, You know, boys may be perhaps more interested in some of the external glory and rewards. And for girls, it might be more of the internal social drivers. So some uh, and connections, perhaps broad stereotypes or generalizations there. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. But as a coach, then we have to dive in and kind of assess what those needs are. Mm-hmm. So I think every coach could spend the first practice, you know, there's a parents meeting and then there's a coach, a, a team meeting. And that team meeting is going through the culture and asking, what are three things that would make this season a success for you and have them write it down. Yeah. And oftentimes I find that it is, I want uh, better friendships. I want to uh, 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 learn a new skill. I rarely see state championship. I rarely see leading the conference in, in points. It's all the human level stuff. So that's a simple 15 minute exercise for a coach to figure out what the needs and desires are of the players and then our responsibility to kind of catalog those and meet each athlete individually. And then as a coach, look at those broad themes and say, all right, they're here mostly for fun. So maybe I'm going to double down on a team building exercise, or maybe I'm going to encourage them to do something in the community that bonds them or, you know, give back. And, and maybe I'll de-emphasize that extra drill I had on, uh, you know, defense or a zone. So it's those adjustments we can make to meet them where they're at and keep them excited. Yeah, that's really important. You know, and I'm glad you brought that up too. Yeah, we do community building exercises as well. So, um, you know, and I think now that we're out of COVID, we can, we did, when we did it last year, because it didn't really require too much interaction with, we did a shoe drive, right? So people just had to drop their shoes off and we could do that. Very uh, cool. Huge success, right? Um, uh, so it doesn't take much. And even when I was doing the younger grades of fifth and sixth graders, we always did a community activity together because I think it's really important to give back in that sense. Uh, all right, coach, I, we could do this for another two hours. Uh, where can coaches or what do you suggest coaches get more help in this area? Because I think, again, we'll call it the third. Can we call it the third element? Or you <laughs> call it? Is that what is, what's it called? Like what We'll just call it mindset training. So okay, mindset training. training the mind. Yes. All right. So where can they get more resources and dive into this a little bit more? Um, what would you suggest? Yeah, there's a lot of great research out there and some companies. So, um, you know, so one of my favorites uh, uh, is a sports psychologist from the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, Michael Gervais has a podcast called Finding Mastery, uh, which is one I go yeah. to. Yeah, uh, I listen to that one too. That's a good one. Yeah, but for coaches, um, part of it is just mapping out perhaps what are the five biggest lessons I want to teach them and then do a little bit of research. And I, I can share some samples as well that perhaps you could d- distribute. But okay. it, yeah. do I want to teach communication? Do I want to teach confidence? And do I want to teach uh, overcoming anxiety? Those could be oh, three yeah. big ones. Say, All right. Maybe I'm not going to do 10, 15 of them, but can I do three things this year that are going to make a positive impact on others? And then there's some great research out there. So, you know, I'm a peak performance coach at the Flow Research Collective, and we help uh, people get more out of life and realize their potential. Um, so, and I, I can share some resources that you can distribute as well. That would be amazing, Coach, because again, I think we're this is today, tomorrow, you know, this is a subject that coaches need to dive into as part of their culture and i don't care if you're like you said fifth grade girls or high school girls it doesn't matter boys it doesn't matter um they're adolescents and as adults we're teachers and need to teach them life skills and like you said after they stop playing basketball right um anyway coach this has been absolutely amazing can we have you back on again I'd love to. This was a great conversation. This is amazing. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. I guess to sum it up, one quote that just popped in my head as we talked about this is, uh, I don't know, it's Henry Ford or who said it, but who cares? The quote matters. So as coaches, we need to remember that our athletes don't care what we know. 
until they know that we care. Yeah. And I think a lot of this is that emotional intelligence. So meeting them beyond the X's and O's and their benefit. And what can we do at least once a practice to let them know that we care about them as a human, as a student, as just a kid growing up. And then, yeah, we'll get into the X's and O's. And I think that simple fact will carry you a long way and create the stage to get rid of some of that anxiety and have kids not worry about the past or worry about the future, but focus on here. And this is our time to make mistakes, to get better and grow as a team. Yeah. Amazing. We'll leave on that coach. Um, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate that. And we look forward to having you on the, on the coaching youth hoops podcast once again. All right, coach, take care. Thanks, uh, Bill. All right. Thank you. It always disappears when I Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.